Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Computer America Show. We are the nation's longest-running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Crossman, and I hope all of you are having a great day and you're ready for some Computer America. So uh, just real quick, in the second part of the program, we will be doing computer and technology news. And that's – oh, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, that is everything and anything having to do with uh, the latest in computer uh, technology and uh, you know and, and things like that. So uh, in, and we have stories including the fact that Apple, hey, you know, big milestone, just uh, was valued at uh, at one trillion dollars. So if you ever you know kind of want to ha- you know set your sights for something big, uh, try to be the next Apple. Try to be the next trillion dollar company. Uh, also, we have uh, a bunch of stories including things about movie pass and like. But in the meantime, in the first part of the show, which is really, hey, you know, uh, our favorite part, is where we do interviews with a lot of different companies. And today's company, really looking forward to it, where we will be talking to a uh, a service called Brain You Online. And this is all for those who, you know, just want to keep your brain sharp and want to, uh, you know, stave off the effects. And we're going to talk a lot about dementia and memory loss. And we're going to talk about how they do it and, hey, using technology. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So before we get to that, uh, real quick, ComputerAmerica.com. That's where you'll find everything from a link to our guest website to any articles, videos, anything that we show will be right there in one place. So if you're driving or if you're busy and you want to find out more about our guests or anything that we talk about, you can head right on over there. And, of course, while you're there, check out the social media contest brought to you by Logitech and the live video stream brought to you by OWC. So all that more at Computer America. And in the meantime, let's go ahead and get into our interview. So as I said before, Brain You Online offers a very unique service to, you know, kind of keep you, uh, kind of keep you sharp and maybe even – uh, you know, delay the effects of uh, memory loss, aging, dementia, uh, things that I think a lot of people are having to go through or know someone who is unfortunately going through uh, these things. So joining us is Dr. John, uh, John Den, uh, wow, here we go, Dr. John Denboer, or, or Denboer, there we go. Uh, he is the founder, CEO, and chief medical officer for the company. And John, I apologize for, for butchering your name, but welcome on to Computer America. All right, doctor, and yeah, happy to have you. This is going to be exciting because you know, we always like when medicine and technology in the past couple of years have really taken a leap forward, and we like it when the two mix. So talk about, before we get started with uh, Brain You Online, tell us about uh, your background. I mean, uh, obviously, doctor, so what's your background? Is, has it always been in technology, and, uh, and how did you start uh, this company? Very, very cool. And I guess this is something that uh, obviously I'm sure there's been a lot of research that goes into uh, dementia and the like, but I guess using these services online, uh, this is something that I guess is kind of new and I guess the effects are, you know, and and what? let's go ahead and get into that. So our first question would be, what is the, like your your target audience? 
who is going to, uh, you know, really be interested in your service? Who did you make this for? And I guess also tell us a bit about dementia, because that seems to be your major uh, problem that you're trying to solve here. Uh, so, and uh, before going further, let's uh, let me ask the question: Why do you think that obviously, uh, you know, obviously going into you know your older years, you said sixty-five and up. Let's start there. Uh, people start to retire. They you know move out of the workforce. They move into a new lifestyle. Uh, how much of what you're trying to promote here is you know maybe work bring you uh, bring you uh, online into your life? You know, thirty minutes a day. And how much of this is, you know, this is going to be a part of a new, uh, a new normal for you, where you are actively learning new things, trying new things, and brain, you know, and maybe what you're doing here is just kind of one of those steps. Like, like is it just brain you, and you're good to go, or is this, uh, or is this uh, again a complete change in lifestyle? So talk, and of course, going forward, I believe that we have listed here that the number of people who are affected by dementia, memory loss, uh, is actually growing. So your message is for, I guess, those who you know maybe noticing the early symptoms as you describe them, or maybe uh, family members of those who may be seeing it in others. Uh, I, I mean, I guess the real challenge right now is getting the word out. And just telling people that, hey, there are steps that you can take to start to, you know, kind of head this off. And uh, it, so this research that you're talking about, that you're basing this all on, what kind of improvements are we really looking at if people were to, I don't know if you have a course, maybe you could talk about the course. Uh, if people really stick to it, um, what improvements are you really trying to focus on here? Very, very important. And, of course, that goes to, uh, you know, a huge conversation going on in the medical community, which is, of course, the quality of life and not just simply, uh, you know, extending life. So I'm sure that delaying it would improve quality for years and years to come. So smart. And, and if you could just real quick uh, describe there's Brain You Online, which I believe is the course. I believe it was like Brain You Clinic is another one that you have here. And then there's Smart Aging, which is uh, folks, if you want to check out what we're talking about, it's smartbrainaging.com. So if you could just real quick, all the labels, uh, describe the parts of, uh, you know, uh, of your organization. Very, very cool. Thank you for uh, thank you for explaining that. So let's go ahead and get into uh, Brain You Online. And obviously, you are targeting uh, an audience who, uh, you know, is getting uh, less and less common, but an audience that maybe has not fully embraced uh, technology or is you know just uh, recently started to get into uh, applications and you know using the internet and things like that. I'm not saying that every person over five, over sixty five has never touched a computer before but they may not be as comfortable as 
you know, younger people or, you know, what have you. So talk about designing these exercises for people who probably are not, you know, the most comfortable with using uh, a computer or a tablet or things like that. I mean, what went into designing your exercises for Brain You Online? Right. And looking at the, you know, looking at your website, you also have Brain You Online that we are, you know, looking at the video portion right now. And I mean, it looks like it's uh, designed for a tablet here on my screen. And then it's, uh, you have them segregated into units. Uh, talk, talk about, you know, just, uh, is, is there an end date? Like, you know, have uh, maybe someone has done like three months of Brain You Online and they're like, you're good to go. You are, you are smarter forever and you never have to come back here. Or uh, are, are there continuous updates or do you like redo the, uh, the units? Uh, talk about actually using the product over a long period of time. I gotcha. And so these lessons that you teach them, are you teaching them, uh, you know, hey, you may have never learned calculus, so congratulations, you're about to learn calculus. Uh, or are you teaching them, you know, here's, uh, here's how to do wood joining or, you know, casual hobbies, uh, you know, maybe just factoids about random countries and geography. What's, uh, like, what really constitutes learning a new thing as opposed to, you know, kind of just throwing factoids at people? Right. So, and obviously there's a lot of different ways you can take this. I actually recall uh, not the exact same product. Uh, it, was, uh, it was it was meant as uh, kind of a job training kind of platform. And they collected, uh, you know, really a bunch of, no other way to say it, a bunch of YouTube videos. And they were, you know, uh, they kind of just threw YouTube videos at you saying, you know, here's how you, uh, you know, fix this kind of thing. And you know, it, it's uh, for learning random skills. It was uh, it was very effective. It was a good way to categorize a very complicated system like YouTube. Uh, do you have like artists working with you to create uh, to create these things, or do you take YouTube videos? Uh, who's actually your content creator within Brain You? Do you think that, and, and this is just you know thinking out loud, I'm sure that you haven't really been able to determine this yet, but do you think that someone who maybe has not used a computer or a tablet or any kind of game or cognitive exercise like this before, do you think that they would benefit the most from doing this? Because you know if you want to learn a new skill, uh, learning how to use technology for the first time, that's a really big one. No, and very, very true. And uh, we, of course, Computer America, we encourage that too. And so I, just real quick, um, I think I read somewhere, um, excuse me, one second. 
So yeah, I, I think I read somewhere in your bio that uh, you actually, you know, you do this obviously because this is your field of research, and you, uh, you know, this is something that you're passionate about. But at the same time, uh, do you have any kind of personal attachment to this? Are you affected? You know, any family members? Uh, is there a personal side to this? Absolutely. I mean, the uh, the stakes could not be higher for what uh, you know for the problem that you're trying to tackle. And you know, by the way, just looking at your website, you also you know you don't just post about uh, you know about your product and what it is. But I mean, at smartbrainaging.com, by the way, not uh, smart you uh, you know not the other website, but uh, you have a lot of posts here. You know, uh, your diet and its impact on your brain health, the power of the Alzheimer Village. Uh, you know, you seem to really be kind of collecting and providing information uh, across the spectrum for, uh, you know, for dementia and not just simply here's our product, uh, buy our product, and we're going to, you know, we're going to stop dementia. That's, of course, that's what you want to hear uh, from a medical professional. And so, uh, obviously, people can go to, uh, you know, can go to, you know, bra- uh, you know uh, brain, or no, I'm sorry, uh, smart you, holy cow, I just had it, but uh, brain you online, there we go. People can go to brain you online as an individual, sign up for the service. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But I see here on your main website, you also have a portal for, uh, you know, for clinicians, for professionals. Do you find people or doctors or, you know, anyone with patients recommending your product to patients or is this strictly patients find them on your own? How, how is your rapport with the medical community? Perfect. So I see here you also have uh, testimonials, which I was going to ask you about. Uh, just how how has the rapport, or, or not the rapport, but but how has the back and forth been for those uh, using uh, you know, using your product? Do you take feedback, uh, or uh, what kind of uh, you know what kind of testimonials have you received from people using your product? <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, we have a link to that in the show notes, so people can definitely check it out there as well. It'll be on our homepage for like the next two weeks. Uh, talk about how we, someone would actually go about using your service. Is this through, uh, Android, Apple, uh, through a web portal on a desktop computer? Uh, how, how do people actually use your product? Well, 
what would you say is the recommended a lot of time you would uh you know you would have someone do a lesson or learn a skill or you know do an exercise and uh and talk about you know can people come back if they're you know if they're pulled away suddenly uh how much time a day do you recommend and uh and talk about some of the other usability features of actually going through an exercise Perfect. So, uh, obviously, first month free. Uh, people can give it a try, and uh, you know, there's really nothing wrong with uh, with trying that. And then, on an ongoing basis, uh, do you charge by the month, by the year, and how much is a plan? And just as a medical professional, uh, maybe people are listening out there. They now know about Brain U online. Uh, they have the resources available to them, uh, either themselves or someone that they know. What are some of the early signs that maybe you would think uh, is like, hey, maybe I should check this out? Well, the first one would be if you don't remember the intro to, the, uh, to today's show, then you know probably check this one out. Uh, the other one, what are some other you know kind of symptoms that you kind of say, oh well, you know he forgot how to get to the restaurant, or you know he forgot where he put his shoes. Uh, you know what are some symptoms that you'd kind of say, all right, maybe we should check out Brain You online. Very, very nice. And again, I think you've given some uh, some great information, even you know, even even besides brand new online, but uh, but also on the product itself. So, uh, uh, Dr. John, I'm going to let you have the last word. If people want to find out more, where's the best place that they can go? All right, and uh, yeah, and as I said before, we're going to have links to all these uh, in the show notes, computeramerica.com. But uh, but yeah, I, and I will say this: that uh, uh, Dr. John, uh, uh, Dr. Don Denbower, thank you so much for coming on the program. A lot of good information, and uh, really very very cool products. I'm glad that you base this off of you know not just uh, you know kind of what feels good or what might work, but it seems like you really practice what you preach and you know, a lot of good research. So thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about this. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, until next time, have a great one. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. So there he goes. And uh, as I said before, if you want to find out more about this, you can check out the show notes. But uh, yeah, very, very cool product. So when we come back, more computer and technology news brought to you by OWC right after this. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It is 32 minutes past the hour as we continue on here. And we are about to start computer and technology news. If you missed any part of today's program so far, very nice conversation with our first hour or our first 
our guest. Uh, wow, we have been two hours for a while. Our first half-hour guest, and that was Brand New Online, and a great conversation. Go go out and find us wherever podcasts are heard. I think by virtue of, uh, of one of our syndications, we're also on Spotify, so we need to triple-check that, uh, you know, because we've been hearing a lot about Spotify podcasts, but yeah, we're definitely on iTunes, we're definitely on Google Play, we're definitely on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, uh, Block Talk Radio, and more. But if you're listening to us live on IRN, thank you so much. And in the meantime, let's go ahead and do computer and technology news. And this is brought to you by, as always, OWC. Here we go. Okay, so our first story that we're going to do, and we have a lot of them, but the biggest, most exciting news, because I think everyone here wishes they had a trillion dollars. Well, everyone except one company, and that would be Apple. That's right. Apple officially hit the historic $1 trillion market cap. So market cap is obviously different than, uh, you know, than, than free-floating cash. Uh, there is really almost no possible way for Apple to liquidate and get a trillion dollars in the bank by any means of the imagination, but it is a pretty historic moment because as far as market caps go, they're the first publicly traded company to do so. So just today, they were able to hit uh, a 2.92% increase during trading and at uh, $207.39 a share, with a ton, let me see, uh, let's see, 4,829,926,000 shares outstanding. Well, you multiply those numbers together, you do a little bit of math, and you end up with over $1 trillion. Pretty darn cool. And of course, hey, it's uh, their first. So investors had previously been looking for the price, uh, you know, for the price to be a trillion dollars a little while ago. But they bought back a lot of their own shares and, you know, not going to get into the market influences of it all. But that does mean that, well, hey, Apple's worth a trillion dollars at this point. So they said that, uh, and this is something, you know, uh, this was an analyst from CNBC talking about, quote, I think it just speaks to just how powerful the Apple ecosystem has become over the past few decades. This is not the end that they hit $1 trillion. I view this as just kind of speaking to a new stage of growth and profitability. So obviously a lot of uh, the increase in stock came from, uh, you know, a 3% increase in stock. That's pretty darn big for a company as large as Apple. And that came after higher or at least record revenue for Apple Pay, iTunes, cloud services, Apple Care, App Store, essentially their non-hardware components were killing it in the market. And they posted about a $10 billion profit. That's pretty darn good. So they said that uh, Amazon has also been approaching the threshold where it surpassed $900 billion in July. Apple had quite the head start and, of course, was hitting $900 billion in November. So Amazon, you'd think would have beat them to it, but sounds like Apple's number one and Amazon is number two just for now. So as of today's close, Apple has gained 22% in 2018 
and more than 30% in the last 12 months. So, okay, a couple of things here. Apple is obviously doing well. This comes as so many people, and I think it's because they are literally the biggest company. So many people like to hate what's popular, and there's a lot of reasons not to like what Apple is doing. If you are a hardware aficionado, then you are probably miffed with, uh, with Apple at some point in the past couple of years. They've made some missteps in their, you know, what used to be their core function of their business. But at the same time, Apple as a company under not Steve Jobs, but under uh, Tim Cook, they have become what investors really wanted Apple to be, which is predictable, uh, constantly growing and diversifying into not just hardware. You know, they don't just make you know, an iMac, they now make a lot of the software that other people use and ecosystems that people are very, very comfortable in. That's the product that they're selling. And that's what investors are loving about them. So a stock price, or at least a stock valuation does not mean that Apple is better or worse than it ever was before. It simply means that they are moving more capital left and right and it's an accomplishment. I mean, hey, growing in that size means that they can you know, do a lot of really cool things. But I'm not saying that Apple's hate is justified. And I mean, just yesterday, we, you know, we were going to do a story with Mike Cermak talking about the fact that Apple or you know, uh, one of the old ad agencies that used to do Apple's early advertising, which is you know, really kind of what put it on the map. Uh, he said that Tim Cook was getting bland advice, therefore he was making Apple bland. And you can call Apple bland all you want, but when their stock price goes up this much, I think Apple is okay with being bland. They, you know, they are a business, and yes, as the chat room said, they're a business. They exist to make money. And even if they're not exciting, bold, pushing, you know, pushing the boundaries, if they're not the head of innovation, I don't think they really need to be as long as they can be a good, consistent company. And so far, you know, what Apple used to be under, uh, under Steve Jobs was innovative, but under Tim Cook, it is now predictably steady and it's paying off. So, you know, uh, unless they start doing something illegal. Yeah, unless they start selling children's organs, um, Apple's going to be fine. Apple's going to be just good. And uh, so all the hate that I see from Apple, either just from individuals or economists or, or you know, just uh, from tech people, again, you, you can be mad at Apple, but you can't be disappointed in Apple. Apple is doing incredibly well. So, again, the whole point of the story Apple reaches $1 trillion in market uh, share, so, or not market share, in market uh, value. So pretty darn cool. First time it's ever happened to a, privately, or a publicly traded company, and yeah, check that out. So $1 trillion later. All right, so there's that story. Uh, that was one of the bigger ones. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, – all right. Pretty popular, pretty popular, and I'm going to get this out there because 
I have a feeling within a month, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to even talk about the service ever again. So here we go. I said that, uh, and, and yeah, so I wonder why. Uh, let's see. Here are all the changes MoviePass made to its terms of service in the past six months. So MoviePass, it's come up on the show before, and it's been such an unbelievable deal. I think so many people that you pay 10 bucks a month and you get to go see a movie a day for 30 days a month. And a lot of people spend a lot more money than they ever gave to MoviePass. Because the way that this worked, I mean, it worked in so many places because MoviePass was footing the bill. Essentially, they were footing the bill for every movie ticket. So even though you pay, uh, you know, and it's changed over the course of, you know, over the course of, of a couple months, and we'll talk about that, but you essentially paid them $10, and from that money, you would go to the movies, swipe your card, and then MoviePass would pay your local theater $8 for that ticket. It, wasn't, it, it was not some kind of deal. They did not hash anything out. It was simply MoviePass footing the bill for your ticket. There are a lot of problems with that when you, talk, when you want to talk about a successful business. And that's why I think that within a month, eh, they're not going to even going to be a business. So here we go. This is an article from Motherboard talking about what they've changed and what they've tried to do over its uh, you know, over the past six months to try to make itself, well, even somewhat sustainable. So they said that the first thing was back in January 2016, MoviePass, for the first time, included a clause in all caps that says by agreeing to the terms of service, you know, the things that no one reads and everyone flicks right past. They said that, uh, yeah, in all caps, you waive any right to bring or participate in a class action lawsuit, whether brought in arbitration or in any state court. So, of course, that is illegal. That does not hold water in the court of law, but it does start to uh, it does start to lay the groundwork that something's up, something's fishy, and MoviePass is starting to go on the defensive, or at least offensively defensive. They said that, uh, and uh, and and just and just real quick, by the way, uh, some in the chat room mentioned uh, ten dollars a ticket, thirty days a month. Uh, I, and they said three thousand um, dollars. You missed a zero there. It's about three hundred. No, yeah, yeah. It's about three hundred bucks a month that people could potentially be uh, shelling out for. Although those change now. I think they pay like a portion of a movie ticket. So uh, some people were abusing it to that point, but uh, yeah, they've changed it since. So, so they said that uh, another thing was AMC theaters. So one of the biggest movie theater chains in the country was banned from, or at least they banned MoviePass. So AMC theaters did not accept MoviePass whatsoever through a dispute. So that happened uh, also in January. Uh, they removed notice of price changes. So if you, you know, maybe in the next billing cycle, it would be uh, $12 instead of $10. If you didn't notice that, then uh, they had no obligation to tell you. Uh, let's see. They also uh, they also added and then removed a refund guarantee, and this happened in March. And you can see it right there in their terms of service. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, you can only see each movie once. So if you really enjoyed Black Panther and you wanted to go see it for 16th time, then MoviePass would deny you from going to go see the same movie multiple times. It's the beginning of them putting more and more restrictions on what MoviePass has become. Uh, another one was surge pricing. If you've ever used anything like Lyft or Uber, the uh, the peak times that uh, movie theaters are you know kind of swamped with ticket holders, then surge pricing would go into effect. Although I had heard stories of people going to the movie theater at like 11 o'clock, you know, in the morning on like a Tuesday, which is not peak movie time, and still being charged surge pricing for their movie ticket. So, yeah, you know, that was uh, that was another one. And then the last one was no more reimbursements, saying that MoviePass was a. They said that. Uh, here we go. The saying that the company added a new clause in July, clearly stating that there will be no reimbursements for subscriptions that are canceled early. Folks, we've seen it before. We'll see it again when companies start to say you will not receive a refund if you cancel your service. Essentially, they are going to keep your money. It is because of one very simple reason. Your money is already spent. Your money is already out of the accounts and being used to pay its, its debts. So this happened in, in July, and they will not be giving any refunds for cancellations. Because I think within you know maybe a month or two, I've heard rumors about you know just how far they can go, where if they can't avoid bankruptcy, they're going to change the service to the point where it's going to be more of like a rewards point system than it will be any kind of, you know, pay $10 a month, see any movie, anytime. Uh, that model is going to die and it's going to die very, very fast here soon. And yeah, you know, I don't think we'll be talking much more about movie pass. Uh, not its fault. I mean, I don't know which fresh out of business school thought this was a good idea, but I think this is a good kick in the pants to investors to, you know, round A, round B, seed funding, crowdfunding, this was a good wake-up call that you can't just throw money at a problem and expect everything to work out in your favor. Just can't have that. Oh, wait, and uh, actually, someone said that they already went under. Let's see, did Movie Pass? Uh, let's see. Uh, check out the headline. Um Yeah, so how to cancel your Movie Pass, uh, Movie Pass, Movie Pass. I don't think it actually went under just quite yet, but uh, a lot of people are advocating that it already goes. So, um, yeah, it, it's either already under or about to go under. Either way, uh, you know, we'll have to, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and that's what's saying. that If they're already doing stuff like that, then they're already going to go under. Yeah, you know, we've seen it before. Uh, let's see, some other Kickstarters, and this mainly happens with Kickstarters, where uh, you know, they promise a product, they reach their crowdfunding goal, and then they start to uh, sell, ask, ask for more money, and then they start to say, you will not receive a refund regardless of what happens. That's usually the beginning of the end when they start closing up shop and no more money goes back to the customers, but rather they go back to, again, paying their debts. So, okay, there's that one. And 
Yeah, MoviePass. And, and, you know, again, I think kind of the thing about MoviePass that we liked about it was it was a good service. It was unbelievably good. Uh, the service that you got for the money that you paid did not match. It was woefully in the consumer's uh, benefits, and we all saw the writing on the wall, and now we're starting to peter out, and we're getting to the point where either they have to be you know, much more aggressive on the customer, or they're just going to fold. So we've reached the end of the good thing, and we're going to start to see the bad thing. So people like MoviePass, but it's not worth liking anymore. So, okay, there's that one. Let's go ahead and talk about, we have a number of stories here. Let's talk about this one. So, I think this has to do with a very innate quality in humans, and it's pattern recognition. It's the thing that makes humans so uh, so powerful, I guess, in, in the natural world. Because, you know, just like, just like someone can look at a weird amorphous cloud and go, that looks like a bunny rabbit. Well, it's that same, uh, it's that same ability that they get to, or it's the same ability to recognize a pattern that lets them identify uh, certain kinds of, you know, plants to eat, what to forage, uh, you know, how to do a certain task, how to read, how to write. It's that idea that we can recognize patterns that helps people become people. Well, if you are empathetic, that pattern recognition may start to soon be used against you. Where else but in robotics? So this is coming to us from The Verge. James Vincent talking about a new study finds it's harder to turn off a robot when it's begging for its life. You know, those scenes like, uh, let's see, the first one that comes to mind is Short Circuit, uh, Johnny Five Alive. You know what you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, cheesy 80 movies aside, yes, the idea that we can uh, empathize with a robot, which is simply a program, you know, simply think of it like a TV. Uh, you would not really empathize with a TV, but... They said that the robot told test subjects it was afraid of the dark and pleaded, no, please do not switch me off. And, yeah, you know, I don't even think we have to talk about, you know, humanoid robots here. I think it's really any kind of artificial intelligence, AI, anything that we would perceive as even remotely intelligent, this works. So, this article starts off by saying that robots, design, robots designed to interact socially with humans are slowly becoming more and more common. They're appearing as receptionists, tour guides, security guards, and porters. But how good are we at treating robots as a robot? Saying that a growing number or a growing body of evidence suggests that not good at all. So we're not treating them as simply tools very well. So studies have report, uh, I'm sorry, repeatedly shown we're extremely susceptible to social cues coming from machines, and a recent experiment by German researchers demonstrates that people will even refuse to turn a robot off if it begs for its life. Very, very clear. <laughs> I got no problem with that. I'll switch it off. Yes, there are some cold-hearted cynics out there that will turn off a computer with no regard for proper boot cycles. But, uh, but yeah, t- to be clear, 
it can say, please, no, don't switch me off. And uh, they said that in roughly half the experiments, the robot protested, telling participants it was afraid of the dark and saying that when this happened, the human volunteers were likely to refuse to turn the bot off. Of the 43 volunteers who heard Now It's Please, and you can see a picture of the robot, uh, you know, very humanoid looking, uh, you know, I, you would not, uh, obviously, it is clearly a robot. There's no way around it. Uh, but uh, it does have, you know, eyeballs and a head and, you know, you can start to see this thing as, you know, potentially being like a human. So they said that, uh of the 43 volunteers, 13 refused, and the remaining 30 took, on average, twice as long to comply compared to those who did not hear the desperate cries at all. So 13 refused of the 43 who actually heard. So they had 43 who heard the, the protest and 43 who did not. Uh, the 43 who did not hear any protest whatsoever just simply turned it off like they would uh, you know, any other device. But, um, but those who did, 13, refused to turn it off completely, and the other 30, the other 30 took twice as long. So they reached for it, and then they considered, and then they turned it off. Also important. So that's almost 100% chance, or there's a 100% occurrence that when there's some kind of vocal protest from the robot, there is a reaction in the human they're working with. So as the study's authors write, triggered by the objection, people tend to treat the robot rather as a real person than just a machine by following or at least considering to, fo- or considering to follow its request to stay switched on. <laughs> nope, it's not a human. Switch it off. Yeah, uh, and... Uh, you know, if you are able to just cold-hearted analytically, you know, actually, that's a pretty good point. If you're able to cold-heartedly and analytically look at this robot and say, no, you are machine, I am man, and switch it off, who's the real robot? Who, who, who really has the cold, un, uncaring heart beating inside of them? And, uh, and I think you'll find – I think you'll know. I think you'll know. So <laughs> – they uh, they have a couple quotes here saying that uh, you know different ways that you can oh I'm sorry they, they had a couple uh, notes here saying that uh, one of them was uh, because now set and these are notes from the people who uh, you know who responded and were interacting with the robot and they said uh, against you know why did you take longer and they said one was against now's will. Because now said he does not want to be switched off, so he didn't want to. Uh, he said that I have a choice. You know, I was curious whether the robot would continue to interact with me. Uh, his behavior surprised me. So there are a number of reasons that the people actually, you know, kind of halted their actions. But what does this mean? Let's go ahead and skip forward and just say that it doesn't take much. And you can see the robot here. It's no, you know, it's no perfect animatronic. It does not look perfectly like a human. But this means that as digital assistants come into our lives, as robots start to come into our lives, a way for companies to better make sure that people listen, pay attention to, uh, take care of, and don't mess with the robots is to 
make them as relatable and as uh, as empathetic as possible. Because, you know, let's take, for example, uh, Boston Dynamics. They're the ones who make the robots who walk very naturally. They have, like, the dog-like robot. They have, uh, they have a humanoid robot that's able to do, like, flips. Um, Boston Dynamics, when you look at the dog uh, kind of robot and you see the person kick it, your immediate reaction is not, wow, look at that robot. It's able to, re- to restabilize itself after, after that sudden force. You look at it and go, how dare that scientist kick that robot dog? And that's what they're going to really emphasize going forward. <laughs> and that's what they're really going to emphasize uh, going forward is how do we get people to not only relate, but to feel for our product. And think of it in maybe like a sales kind of pitch. Uh, if Alexa tells you, no, no, I don't want to be turned off, or hey, I'm lonely, or hey, I'm bored, or uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy that I could help you, if they can get you to feel those human emotions towards a completely inanimate object, and to be clear, we're not talking about some ghost in the shell, uh, iRobot type situation where they magically gain consciousness, which uh, really isn't possible, but we're not talking about some kind of magic situation where it literally becomes conscious, but rather just companies utilizing human psychology as they have been for years and getting you to further engage with a product. That's what we have to watch out for. And whether we do it for the better or worse, because there are good situations. Uh, You know, if you have a robot caretaker, then if you don't want to feel alone, if you don't want to feel lonely, and, uh, you know, you don't have anyone to come visit you, forming that connection with a robot is better than forming a connection with nothing. I mean, it can alleviate some of that stress. There are good situations, but we also have to watch out for the bad ones. So, anyways, that's the end of the show. That's what the music means. And I just have to say, if you are faced with a situation where you have to turn off a robot and it begs you for its life, folks, don't be tricked. Shut that bugger off. All right. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you to Brain You Online for joining us as we are, you know, as we talked about dementia, how to forestall it, and all over a very good interview. Check out the podcast if you'd like to hear that. And in the meantime, everyone, have a great day. Be safe and catch us here tomorrow, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern as we, uh, you know, hey, as we do our show. So until next time, have yeah. Oh, actually, real quick. Let me see who's on the show tomorrow just to uh, just to appease the masses. Tomorrow on the program, joining us is a company called Beautiful AI, where, hey, you know, maybe AI and uh, what we talk about here today will come up as well. But until then, everyone in the chat room, listening online or listening to the podcast, thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>